This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Afternoon. <laughs> Does that sound like Johnny Von Goes? It did a little. Hey, a little bit. Be, what did you say? Would it? Sort of. Uh, afternoon. I thought we were going to be polite and let the band completely How fade out slash leave the building. Yeah, it's a beautiful day today. <laughs> um, no, the reason Stop why it. we're doing that is um, we've got we've got news from John. John's uh, doing some stuff. Good yes. afternoon. How are you on this uh, looking out? It's sort of clouding over, but a oh, glorious morning. It is crackerjack out there. Oh, crackerjack! It's crackerjack. Crackerjack. Ten out of ten is a top. Oh, it's a ripper of a day. It's a top shelf Melbourne spring Sunday. Top shelf day. It it's is. a good day. You, w- you wouldn't be dead for quids, would no. you? You wouldn't. I, I never knew how to answer that one when someone said, "Well, no." Well, how many quids? I mean, how, what, the exchange really? rate's pretty good for favorable quids. for them at this point. So. Yeah, what's, what is that yeah. all about? Yeah. How you doing out there? Uh, welcome to the afternoon. A big thanks to all our morning presenters here on this glorious bastion of free speech and freedom. Yes, coming from East Brunswick, uh, aka Triple R. Um, and, uh, wow, didn't the doctors get into some interesting stuff? About the, specifically about the WHO report onto processed meats. That was well, very interesting. I yeah, learned that something. was one. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and relatives ripping off their grandmothers and how easy that was. <laughs> didn't it's that like, bit. wow, that's a bit <laughs> interesting topic, but fantastic. Uh, today, uh, we are so glad you, uh, joined us. The first thing we're going to be doing is, uh, we're going to be going to just outside Dalesford to Janae. Yes. Thank you, Janae Farms. Uh, glorious 69 hectares. Um, Jonai. Jonai Farms. Yeah, that's a, yeah, Jonai. <laughs> so they say it in Brighton, I think. Yeah, Jonai. No, Jonai Farms. Jonai Farms. Makers uh, of fine small goods. Yeah, fine small goods. They've got some very lovely little, uh, black pigs that, uh, as, uh, Joel Salton said, uh, animals should have only one really bad day. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so ethical, uh, farmers who have been kind of hassled by, uh, by bureaucracy. We talk, a little bit about this a few weeks ago. We had Richard Cornish. Yes. That uh, wonderful author, um, gastronome, we could call him. Man about right. town. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, man about Victoria, because he's yeah. always like, you know, five reasons to visit Dubbo. I know. I rem- he I hasn't rem- done Dubbo yet. I'm Actually, we should suggest that to him. Yes. Dubbo. Uh, yes. Dubbo a go-go. There was a good real song that came from there. I don't know if there's yeah. re- reasons to go and eat there, but we yeah, if anyone's going to find out. Yeah. But... Um, <clears throat> there was a talk about PrimeSafe, and PrimeSafe has been uh, applying, shall we say, large-scale food models to small-scale producers and being... Now, PrimeSafe, we probably should contextualise, are a government organisation, are they not? They are indeed. They are were, they the regulatory they, body, or yeah, what are they? Yeah, they were. I think they were, uh, they were the Department of Ag, I think, that, uh. that got changed over. You know who Maybe it's know. a bit like Border Force, <laughs> you know, PrimeSafe, <laughs> you know, and it's the same sort of... Mm, you know, sort of, sort of thing going Border on. Border Force just always sounded like a comic book to me, rather than an actual government agency. Yes, and especially when you see First Dog drawing them as weasels. Yes. Was... <laughs> Let's not. Hello, stray. First Dog, if you're listening. Yes. Um, so we're going to have a chat to her about uh, what's going on there, um, which I think could be kind of good. And then we uh, we look at a word: mm-hmm. uh, entomophagy. Entomophagy. Have mm-hmm. you heard about that one? Is that uh, easy getting out of your mouth? Well, this is more about what you put in your mouth. And what we're talking about is the, uh, I think, the inevitability. Yes. Catch it in those terms. We've, we've been talking about... We've been on this, this hobby horse for a good few years now. What we're talking about is, of course, eating insects and bugs for protein as opposed to uh, other sources, which may be less sustainable. Oh, and when you think about it, it's not um, most uh, most... Societies, mm-hmm. uh, in fact, uh, the original society that was uh, around here mm-hmm. have been for generations eating insects. This is we true. think probably the best known is the witchetty grub, mm-hmm. um, the bogong moth, mm-hmm. uh, for instance. And uh, we've got the the night mo- noodle markets will be happening very very shortly. And uh, there's an interesting thing that's happening in that uh, one of the stallholders will be giving an option. Mm. Of um, of adding um, some insects to your pawpaw salad. In this case, mealworms, which you and I have popped a few of them, and they're delicious. They're rather nice. They're good little beer snack. Good with beer. Yes. Don't forget beer nuts. These um, these, these are, are better beer worms. 
Um, so Fran's here from Ladyboy, a cafe in Richmond. Yes. <coughs> who are going to be giving this option, and we might just sort of tease that out a little bit. Yes. And hopefully, maybe some of you people might go to the night market and say, yes, I want mealworms on my popo salad because it would be yummy. Well, they should just lobby to change the name to beer worms. Who doesn't want a beer worm? That'd be a great thing. That's great, Barry. Let's yeah. go to lunch. <laughs> Marking department. Got a hankering off. for some beer worms. Yes, and and then we leave. Um, uh, traditionally, we uh, mm. we you know the the last part of a meal mm-hmm. is dessert. Yes, and we have one of the kings of desserts uh, stepping through the place. And uh, his name is Pierre Roloff, and mm. uh, he's no stranger to three triple He's been very generous over the years with prizes and things like yes. that. He's been doing pop-ups, so we're going to be talking about doing extraordinarily hard desserts. As the scientists leave the building. As the scientists leave the building. And we will also be talking about stupid, easy desserts that you and I, mere mortals at home, can attempt. Namely... Um, well, actually, we might leave that as a yes. bit of a surprise. So, twelve oh eight here on three triple RFM, and um, what have we got here? I was uh, looking through. Uh, what was I looking through? I was looking for food stuff, food reference, and I found a very, very interesting saint for today. Yes, um, it's uh, I don't know. It's sort of like you think you get handed out the saints. You know, it's like all right, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be. Saint Barry, you're the saint of um, of, of of Hammond organs, yes, uh, which is good. But uh, today we have to say that um, it is Saint Florentus of Strasbourg, and uh, and pray, what does Florentus uh, oversee and look after in his saintly capacity? Patron of gallstones, Matt. Gallstones. 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 I reckon yes. he was probably in the toilet when the <coughs> when the saintly list was handed out. Yeah, or oh, always late. Yes, you know. Always at the back of the queue. What happened, Flo? Now, in the last JVG sporting team. Yes, JVG is going to be transported to Gasworks Park to uh, to MC uh, a fabulous gift because one of the things that JVG does well is uh, he broadcasts pretty well. He does. Does does a pretty good job of broadcasting. Not two o'clock on a Sunday. He actually does other stuff during the week. He brings people together and he he ties them in knots. He does. Not, yep. not literally, but figuratively. He is uh, one of the uh, the truly great celebrants. We celebrate him as a celebrant. Mm. And uh, what's he doing? Normally, weddings are sort of closed affairs, Cameron. You can't just sort of roll up to them. You need to know either the bride or the groom or someone who does. Helps. Whereas the good folks at uh, Priscilla Jones there at Gasworks uh, in South Melbourne, they're putting on they're putting on a wedding style dinner, but you can just go. And just rock up. Now, here's the thing. It's pretty good can value. You, can you sort of go, I am going to be the drunken uncle? Yes, <laughs> I think you need to reserve the <laughs> drunken <laughs> that position at the table. Yes. Uh, it's on for the next couple of weeks, or next couple of weekends, I should say. And yes. here's the pitch. It's $79 for 16 courses, which is pretty good. So if you want to sample a whole lot of food. That's a hell of a lot. Is that like food waterboarding? <laughs> well, hopefully As, not. I think Debecky brought that on. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we've got the portion control uh, down oh, cool. Yeah. So I guess that the two... But Johnny Von Goes. Uh, and Johnny Von Goes going to be there. So I guess if, you, if you're having a wedding in the next sort of 12 months and you want to trial some food, that's one way to do it. Or if you just feel like trialing some food. Or test running the uh, your celebrant. Uh, yes, this is true. Yeah. So this is all part of a larger festival, is it not? It is, and I'm scrolling up madly. It's part of the Good Food Month uh, yeah. from the age. Uh, Priscilla Jones is the name of the restaurant, and it's a eighty bucks, uh, sixteen courses, next couple of weekends. And Gasworks uh, Park is gorgeous. It's very nice. Charles Jenkins sang a song about it. He did. We'll tweet a link if you're interested. Yeah. Okay. Mm. So anyway, that's uh, that's done. But we should probably get a move on. It is twelve eleven already. Um, welcome if you've just joined us to uh, the afternoon glide slope on three triple FM. Tammy Jonas, say uh, a very, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to you. How are you? What's uh, what's it like over there? And where are you? First of all, let's uh, let's uh, let's paint a picture. Where I'm are you? Just outside of Dalesford in Eganstown, in in Central Highlands of Victoria, and it's a glorious spring day. Really? Did you get rain the other day? We did. We only got about 34 mil, which is probably half as much as we would have liked. But some, um, we'll take what we can get right now. Yeah, okay. 34 mil. That's a fair bit. That's about over an inch, days. though, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but that's, that was over two days. We didn't even get any runoff. The paddocks just... Oh, yeah, that's up. right. We talked about this. Uh, this uh, it, it just got... 
sucked in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we yeah, need, we need that follow up, Brian. Um, so um, where? So how do we get to your place if we're sort of around Dalesford Way? Oh, you just had eight k's out the Midland on your way to Ballarat, and we're just up on the north side of the highway. Yeah, that sounds nice. And uh, this was uh, something that you did because you uh, you guys left suburban Melbourne around about 2011. You wanted to do a tree change, did you not? Yeah, well, I'd say more of a pig change. <laughs> we wanted to be in the wanted to be in the country and grow fair food and raise pigs on paddocks and show how it could all be done. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so you've got uh, a bunch. It's black pigs that we're talking about. What specifically? What what variety is that? They are they're the very descriptively named large black pig. <laughs> or <laughs> they're an old uh, English breed. Uh, or, or an LBP. Oh, yeah. Got a lot That's of LBPs right. out there, and uh, they're pretty happy. They're large and they're black. And they're black. And they're very happy. And they're very piggy. <laughs> yes, they are. What do pigs like to live with? Well, they don't live in the house. You know, well, no, so no, I'm I not, I'm not sort of like, get the, get you, <laughs> hey, you, you're hogging the sheets. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty easygoing creatures. So, um, you know, they mostly just like to be fed and then they like to laze around in the heat. They like to wallow. You know, they can't sweat. Mm. So they have to have wallows to allow them to cool down in the mud and the water. Um, and the piglets run around and play. I think of them like schools of fish sometimes. They run around the paddocks in unison. And then they freeze all at once, and then they dash off again all at once. Really? Yeah, it's really cute. Yeah, they're, they're, they're quite an endearing animal. Now, the the thing was that you did your research. The What you wanted to get into was uh, the making of small goods, and you toured America, and one of the people that you did meet, we mentioned him before, was Joel Saladin of Polyface Farms. That's right. Um, so you got... Um, you got knowledgeed up, shall we say. You uh, you certainly researched what you wanted to do. You've crowds did a bit of crowdsourcing, and uh, you are able to not only grow your own uh, little piggies around the place and uh, do what Joel Salton says, which is the animal shed only have one really bad day. The rest is yep. uh, is is pretty good. Um, and you've been making small goods. What sort of small goods do you make? Yeah, so we've had the butcher shop on the on the farm licensed for nearly two years now, and we do all the normal kind of fresh cuts and mm. bacon and bacon, ham and sausages and things. We've been doing that since the beginning, and we just had the second facility uh, licensed in July of this year. So now I can also do. I'm now making pork and beef bone broths, and I'm doing whole single muscle cures, so hamon, which you have to wait a year for, of course, until it's ready, and pancetta, copa, lonza, guanciale. Um, and then we make pate de tet, actually, from all the heads. Yeah, so nothing right. gets wasted, and we're able to process the entire animal. Okay, so so the idea is that you wanted to have a change of lifestyle. You um, you obviously worked very, very hard to, to do that. You've set about everything in play. You've, uh, you've learned what you need to learn, and then it would appear that uh, a government bureaucracy has sort of uh, made life, shall we say, a little bit difficult. Yeah, you could say it's been a little bit difficult. I mean, the uh, between the obscurity of the regulations and the regulator not giving any advice about how to meet the standards, um, there's, that's the first sort of hurdle for little guys like us. But mm. the second is when last year, you would have read the story already, when they rolled up my driveway and destroyed all of our salamis that were ours in our own shed for our own consumption. Well, that's probably... Um, could we just elaborate on that? So what, what actually happened then? So it was a strange story. We'd had a salami day, the like workshop day, the week before, and there was somebody there that we thought was acting odd, but we decided not to worry about it. The regulator, when they rolled up the driveway the next week... Well, what, what, do you, what do you say when you said he was acting odd? Was thought he had a clipboard like, he and he was sort of looking over... Uh... Well, he asked no questions um, and just sort of looked stern and kept leaving the room, the, the shed where we were doing the workshop and, and going back and checking out the boning room and then came around, left early, um, and just didn't engage at all, very unlike everyone else who comes to our salami days. Yeah, so we, we sort of thought, don't be paranoid, though, that's silly. He was just an awkward guy, right? Yeah. But <laughs> just the next the week, awkward the guy. <laughs> he just couldn't <laughs> talk to people, yeah. But <laughs> so little did you know workshop. <laughs> that, he, that he took off his mask and went, aha, it is me, well, Peter from PrimeSafe. What he actually did was yeah. went and placed a complaint with PrimeSafe um, that we had let people leave the workshop with some of the freshly made salamis that they'd made. 
right. uh, which was true. And when the regulator rolled up the driveway and asked us, we said, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they didn't buy them. They just helped make them, so we thought it was okay if they took some. Yeah. Turns out it's not okay. That's actually a breach of the act. Yeah. And so we were deeply apologetic. We said we were happy to um, recall those and email everybody and say, if you've, if you've taken it, you can't eat it, you need to destroy it or bring it back here. Yeah. The regulator said that wouldn't be necessary, yeah, but that they were going to destroy everything left that was ours. And the reason being why? They said public health. Public health. Okay. I'm going to leave that to you to figure out how oh. backwards that is. Well, I, actually, we should probably just leave that as a pregnant pause all around Melbourne and the people that have their radios <laughs> or computers on for public health. <laughs> so it seems to one of the things that seems to be about uh, PrimeSafe is that um, small producers are being pitted in the same bowl as as large manufacturers. There's no sort of idea of scale, is there? No, there's not. And the the example that I often give of where that has such an impact on a small producer like us is the listeria management plan you're required to put in place if you're going to backpack your ready-to-eat food, which is because um, listeria thrives in an anaerobic environment. That's the short reason why. Yep. So they want you to have a management plan, and part of that plan is batch testing. That all seems reasonable, right? Mm. But the batch testing requires, no matter how many hams I make, I have to give five whole hams in their packaging exactly as they would be sold for them to test and then throw away. Who does so the testing? Five hams. That's two and a half pigs worth of back legs. Yeah, right. So for us, surely the disrespect of the lives is too much for us to be willing to do that. Yes. Um, but, the, but the impact financially, of course, as well. I do 32 Christmas hams a year, and they want me to give them five. You, you only do so 32. So this is, yeah, this is small producers. This isn't like um, a major, major small goods manufacturer, is it? No, not that at does, all. We're that very does thousands and thousands of kilos uh, of stuff. So so that's the, the problem. And then there's the, the small problem of the small businesses sort of left in the hands of, shall we say, the, the interpretation of the law. Right, and the interpretation is not only different depending on which inspector or auditor here in Victoria you talk to at any time, but it's different again when you go to another state. So in New South Wales, for example, they have a very different way of managing listeria, and they also they have one audit a year. I have to have four, Whoa. and they're at our expense. So I'm spending like two grand a year in audit, whereas they would have that once a year, the 500 once a year. Yeah, right. And um, so it just sort of seems... Well, it seems to be like the case of just the law not keeping up with current marketing and, and selling practices of boutique places like you. And we want to promote Victoria as being this wonderful food bowl and also to, well, promote food being manufactured. And this seems to be in direct, uh, uh, direct competition to that, I suppose. It does. And I think that, um, you know, we're starting to see the Minister for Agriculture and the Minister for Planning gain some interest in these problems for small producers. Mm. But it'll, it'll, it remains to be seen whether legislative reform will actually keep up because we've already seen people go out of business. Really? Because of the abhorrent behavior of Prime Safe um, and also because of planning schemes that are really disadvantaging little farms like ours. How, how many have gone out of business, do you think? Well, you should talk to Sandy Leatham up at Hook and Spoon in Benalla. She shut down after years of what she felt was bullying from PrimeSafe. Wow, really? She just, because, you know, they, because they monitor our kitchen as well, if I make a vegetarian pie, I have to monitor the temperatures as though I'm making bacon. Right. Why? Like, it doesn't make any sense. They just apply <laughs> all the same yeah? things. Really? Um, <laughs> so, all right, so, all right, perfect world, what do you want? You, you want the oh, minister want... to go, gee, this, this is pretty shitty. We can change it. Yes, which happily the Minister for Agriculture did say that and triggered a review of Prime Safe. Well, you said this is pretty shitty? Yeah, I think she totally said this is shitty because it's shitty. No, right? really? Oh, well, okay. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> so, so anyway, you think that the, the, the pendulum is swinging, the government might be slowly getting on your side. Uh, have there been any tangible movements or benefits? Insofar as we have 24 great recommendations, well, 23 out of 24 really good recommendations, but now we have to see about implementation. So the recommendations have a number of things in there about PrimeSafe needing to, for example, follow due process when dealing with a producer because what the recommendations really shine a light on is that they haven't had even just the most basic due process in their dealings with all of us. Mm. Um, so we'd love to see those recommendations implemented, but it'll remain to be seen, really.
So we're cautiously optimistic that there's change afoot. Yes. Um, and I'm going to continue writing about it and, and reminding them that we're all still paying attention and trying to make a living here and feed our communities, that's for sure. Yeah, well, actually, um, and it has to be mentioned, Tammy, that um, you're one of the few people that have been willing to speak out of it. They've been there from what I can gather, because I've been hearing about this since, uh, well, winter. When I was in Bendigo, there was a few people that had a bit of a, a word to me about this. But there's yep. a lot of people that are too frightened to speak out. There are, and actually... Um, and that's not good. One of the... Andrew Miller, who writes for Stock and Land and has done a number of great stories on this problem, he said that he's never, in, tw- in 25 years, I think, in journalism, he's never had an industry of so many people afraid to go on the record, mm. which I think speaks volumes about what's going on in regulation of the meat industry. Well, we decided to fight, though. We have this, can we have this idea that, you know, comply and fight. And so we're <laughs> wildly yeah. compliant, and we fight like crazy. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I like I, I like the way you, you you look at these sort of things. So, is there anything that uh, we here or uh, consumers out there uh, can do in in helping out in this, if they wish to? Well, one of the things I would certainly say in terms of the meat industry is continue, you know buy directly from farmers wherever possible and support them in that way, and butchers in all of your high streets, because they've been under pressure for years from this regulator. Mm. Um, So that's one thing. But I also think when it comes to stuff like the recommendations from the report that's sitting there now, send in more letters to the ministers saying you really hope to see these recommendations implemented. You want to see small butchers and small producers survive. Um, You want to see local food economies thrive. And um, it matters to you, because they have to pay attention to letters from individual constituents. So I think writing to local members and ministers is a really good thing to do so they can see it's not just a couple of couple of loudmouths, but it's actually a really serious issue for food sovereignty in, in Victoria and Australia more broadly. Sounds good to me. And uh, and that goes through the whole thing, I think, that you say on your website, which is um, eat better meat, less. Less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's probably a good thing to, to move on to. Um, well, look, Tammy, thank you very, very much for your time. If we can help out, if there's any more, please do keep in touch. Uh, Thanks good, for that. good luck with what you're doing and uh, may the business that you do and your little black pigs and some of the big <laughs> ones um, and thrive and, and, and grow. Thanks very much, Cam. Thank you, Tammy. All right. See ya. All right, ladies and uh, uh, listeners. Hey, on that topic, yeah, man. Just I was googling because I oh, saw yeah, something find? recently. Uh, we're talking about producers finding it difficult to fit within regulations. This week, um, David Blackmore announced he's actually re- oh yeah, what happened? He's withdrawn his application before the Victorian Planning Minister to rezone his. He's basically just given up. He's given up. He's given up. He's gonna. He's leaving the game and uh, gonna relocate. No. His cattle herd up to New South Wales, I believe, and that was a, that was a different matter. That was someone it was, it was, sort of was, complaining about. Um, uh, it was this. a planning issue, not a not a regulatory issue. But nevertheless, you know, as, as David you, Blackmore, Gather, wow, as you said, you know, we want to promote Victoria as a really natural home for all these micro producers and specialist producers. Yeah, uh, so we can sell all our farms to the Chinese, so they'll buy them. Oh, you cynic! Oh, well, you know, I don't know. But, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, but you know, but it, it is true that we are trying to say, look, we are clean, we are green. Yes, we've got this vibrant thing. You know, just not just a whole bunch of multinational food factories. This is true. Is this all we really want? So I think, like David, I think um, he's uh, he's going to leave the business to his um, right, to his kids, and so yeah, Black, well, Blackmore know. Beef will continue, but not out of Victoria, which I think is a very sad thing. Wow. There you go. Uh, 12.27 here on uh, 3RRR. We're going to be talking about uh, entomophagy, uh, which, of course, is the eating of insects. And, well, when you've got a song about insects, you just simply have to play this song, don't you? Yeah, I think you do. And because it seems to be uh, rather good. Uh, it should have been on the scientist, shouldn't it? Yes. Uh, what a great track. Money Mark, of course, uh, from an album from, oh, it's a few footy a seasons ago now. now. Uh, but uh, we've got someone in here in the studio. Can you whack the headphones on, please, Fran? And we say a very, very good afternoon to Fran Leeper, who is here from Ladyboy in Richmond. And we might actually have to get that microphone a little bit closer to you so we can, we can do that. Fran, a very, very good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. 
Now, um, first of all, tell us about your place, um, Thai-inspired. Yep, so we do modern Thai cuisine at mm. Lady Boy Dining and Bar. We're Lady our, Boy. It is Lady Boy. Uh, so, why um, did, come on, why? why? <laughs> Go on. Oh, look, why not? No, honestly, um, it's a bit of a celebration of a group of people in the Thai culture who bring um, a fantastic vibrancy to it. Mm. Uh, it's a very uniquely Thai thing. And, what's that? Um, Boogie Street? No, that's Singapore, isn't it? That Singapore was Boogie Street. There used to be a whole bunch of ladyboys. But there is this whole ladyboy culture that is just Absolutely. fabulous. And it's, and it's very much an integral part of the Thai culture. Um, and they play they play a huge role there. And we just wanted to do a little heads up and a celebration of that in the naming of our restaurant. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So we've got Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. <laughs> in Thailand, we've got yeah. the, the queens of the street market, shall we say. But, yeah. uh so how long have you been operating for? Uh, we opened uh, last year in August, so a little bit over a year now. Yeah, and yeah. this is um, partners working in crime together? Yes, absolutely. Sticking together, how's that been going? Uh, look, it's an interesting journey when you uh, own and operate a business with your partner in uh, life. Um, because there's no escape! <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Um, we also added a, a wedding in the middle of it, and we've got a baby on the way. So you know, we just like to <laughs> keep <laughs> things on the edge. And and the the thing is that you're going to be at the night noodle market, which is an extraordinary thing to do for a small business because yeah. you really have to just suddenly split your business into two. Yeah. And then or go into sort of campaign mode. It's like invading Good France, point. you know. Uh, it's like, yeah, we get all the supplies and then we send them off and there they are on the, on the, on the Yarra. But you've decided to do a little point of difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Why? What? How? Okay. So, um. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. Many questions. Well, yeah. Look, um. We, you know, being our first year involved in the noodle markets and being one of the sort of probably, you know, newer brands New coming kids on the, the block. Scene, exactly. We thought, how are we going to make a little bit of an impact? Exactly right. And um, we thought about things that we have actually wanted to do at the restaurant, but it's a, it's a little bit of a different uh, challenge when you're talking about smaller people coming through the doors every day. And we thought noodle markets is a fantastic opportunity to talk to a big range of Melbourne foodies, um, people who love to try and experiment new things. Mm. Um, so let's do something that is very, very traditional in Thai culture and have some insects on the menu. And this is the thing that um, in areas of Southeast Asia, the eating of insects is... You don't even bat an eyelid, really. No, absolutely you know? not. If you go to any one of the street food markets there, you will have an array of insects to choose from. Um, typically, they'll be deep fried. Sometimes they can be dry roasted. Get yes. them in a bag with some nice Thai spices on them and then just eat them with a stick. Have a beer and yeah, all exactly. that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and let's face it, there are, there are some things that are more approachable than others. We, uh, we just heard Money Mark talking about uh, insects and uh, the sounds that cricket make crickets make and how hey you can tell the temperature and they would be one of the more approachable sort of things mm -hmm. some get a little bit weird like there's the cambodians for instance which have this whole culture of through great deprivation actually it must be said the reason why they do this is the eating of spiders and yeah. tarantulas which ah, that just yeah. <laughs> that just gives me the heebie-jeebies to be honest with you because oh look folks if you Cover your ears if you feel a bit, but they've 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 got a lot of goop in them, haven't they? That's the Absolutely. thoraxes. <laughs> it's the T word. But you guys have discovered or, or are using something which is probably the most approachable. You want to mm -hmm. talk about what you're going to be using? Yeah, absolutely. So we've gone with uh, mealworms. Um, and there what are, are mealworms? Good question. No, thanks. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> mealworms aren't actually worms, but they're they're the larvae of of, of, of um. What of, turn into? Like little beetles. Really. Oh, beetles. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're, they're really quite small. Uh, they get dry roasted. We cover them in a nice sort of Thai spice mix. And honestly, like, I know you guys have had your little try already. Yeah, uh, they go. taste a little bit like popcorn. They it's do. A, with a, a quite with nutty, a, bitter, and then um, a bitter, And then a bitter sort of finish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and those flavours actually... Which would go really well with go the... Really Papaya, yeah. not the pawpaw. <laughs> and the papaya, <laughs> of course, is the more elongated one, is it not? The pawpaw is that big 
ovoid sort of thing that's very, very orange. Papaya yes. can go into that lovely red sort of yes. thing. So, and the papaya we use is green papaya, so it's quite young, um, which means that it's better for salads and those sorts of things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Like the same as um, use green mango for Correct. salads, which yeah. um, are excellent. So um, where do you get it? I mean, did you just go, did you wild harvest them? Oh, look, um, it's probably not recommended to do that no. <laughs> for food safety reasons. Yes. Uh, there is uh, you one... You might have Prime Safe on you. <laughs> I don't want that. No, don't no, want that. No, certainly not for the markets as well. No. Uh, but, uh, look, when you get them from the correct supplier, they're totally food safe. Uh, of there which is there one. is one. There is one in Australia. There is one. So, and it, the, the, you actually surprised me because you said uh, this is a place in New South Wales, has a great name. It's been serving insects or producing insects in very small quantities, it has yeah. to be said, since 2007. Correct, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what's it called again? What's the name? Edible of the... Bugs. Edible Bugs. There you hey. go. Hey, mission <laughs> statements on the title. It's there. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, but it's it's really interesting the way that the world is going. Since we started this show uh, doing it with Matt and myself, there has been that one thing that we've been talking about, which is rethinking the centre of your plate. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's been right, yeah, that's Matt. A fair way to put it. Where um, rather than having this huge bloody lump of protein in the middle of the plate, meat is seen more and more as a garnish and a, mm. a special thing. And now we're just thinking about where the protein comes from, and it seems sort of a logical progression, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I just think there's still very much a disconnect between people probably. Uh, thinking about food as nutrients a lot of the time. You know, when you go out to restaurants, you very rarely yeah. do look at the menu and think, mm. what nutritional value am I getting yes. for this dish? Does this dish have <laughs> magnesium and zinc? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I've Same. never heard anybody ask that when they've been recommended. I need a dish that has magnesium and zinc and a lot of B1 and B2. Yeah. And the good news is that the, the funny thing is that uh, comparatively, insects are on level with the what we look at the orthodox proteins that we eat. Yeah. In fact, um, mealworms are right up there with beef. Um, similar in terms of protein content per gram mm. um, and about half the amount of fat. And that's when you're looking at lean beef. So if you're actually talking about the nutritional value, um, they're excellent. And in terms of the sustainability and the environmental footprint, they're, you know, far above and beyond any of the sort of traditional farming methods. Resources, water that needs to be used, like, you know, to create a kilo of beef, it's just, yeah. it's insane the amount yeah. of water that is actually uh, needed to do that. So mm. it's something to try. I mean, you know, you want to be uh, part of uh, a new way of looking at things. Well, the good thing is to go to the night market, which, uh, night noodle market, which starts... Yep. When? It's uh, on from the 12th of November to the 29th of November every yeah. single day. So, uh, so come close. along. Yeah, wow. <laughs> come along. Come and try some uh, insects from Ladyboy Dining. Yeah. We're in uh, the lower terrace area. So gotcha. Uh, of? Of. Uh, lowest terrace area of? There's, there's three sections of yes. the markets. Yes. Um, so just, uh, I don't, I just know that there's a lower, a middle, and an upper. <laughs> so, so, but whereabouts is this? is oh, on sorry, the Yarra whereabouts? Thank you. Yes. <laughs> You're only looking at me, you're what? What? Huh? Are you, are you crazy? Um, and uh, are you serving Singer beer or beers with that? Oh, look, I wish we could. We serve Singer at, um, at our business. I'm sure um, you do. But it is fully sponsored by a few different alcohol sponsors there. So we mm, can only serve okay. non-alcoholic beverages. Um, and we've got some lovely fresh young coconuts, which will complement this dish very nicely. Okay. And if you want to get a beer, you can go to the major sponsor, Beer Tent. Correct. And, uh, and, uh, and everything will be good. Well, look, Fran... Um, congratulations on what you do. It's, it's, it's nice that you're looking at a different thing and, uh, it looks like your marketing thing worked. Fantastic. Because you're here talking about it here. So, uh, good luck with it. And, um, yeah, I hope a lot of people get to try it. Yes, absolutely. Thanks, guys. 12.39 here on 3 Triple RFM. Pierre Roloff has been, uh, doing pop-up restaurants, maybe even before they were called pop-ups. Chicken, he's got room for some bugs. On the menu? Well, he's, he had some, didn't he? Did Pierre try some? Yeah, he did. He just tried some ants while we were waiting out there. You had ants as well? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was very happy with them. They could be on the menu next. Oh, okay, which, <laughs> which is good. But anyway, Pierre's going to be talking about us, uh, the king of the pop-up, the king of desserts. Um, shall we say the king of dessert technique, Matt? Yes. yes I, I think it's a fair way to put it. Yeah, and um, we're going to be looking at uh, the yin and yang of Pierre as, he, as we sort of talk about doing unbelievably wonderful creations and then what you 
can create really easily at home on 3RRR, 1240. Gee, Matt's getting all prescriptive. I know, it's like... It's, 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 come on, Cam. Come on, Cameron. Focus. Quit it with the small I was talk. just saying Fran was kind of cool and I enjoyed it. And Pierre's here. Hi, Pierre. How's it going? Oh, it's going really good. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me again. You tried a mealworm. What do you think? Yeah, they're delicious. It's funny, though. something about uh, looking at them, looking at insects. <laughs> Well, and, um, it's, it's our conditioning, Pierre. I mean, mm. you know, we've been... Um, evolution, isn't it? We have been conditioned to say that insects are dirty. Insects, like the presence of insects in your home shows that you're not really a good housekeeper, mm. that you are a little bit dirty, you know, y- yourself. And There's all these connotations, isn't there? It's these social mores mm. that we have in the Western world um, against these. And yet, more and more, it seems to make sense that with... You know, growing population, the running out of arable farmland, you know, you know, that you hear that sound? <laughs> That's Pierre Munchen on the <laughs> mealworm. <laughs> as a chef, as someone who understands food, describe the flavour. What, what do you think? How do you... Um, it's a relatively neutral flavour. It's, um, it's nutty. Yeah, it's certainly nutty, isn't it? Um, there's a bit of salt there. There's a bit of salt. Can you pass them over? Let me have Absolutely. another little go. It's kind of making me think of burn rosette with brown butter a little and bit. you can make... Oh, wow. Yeah, smell good. Um, mm, yeah, good. popcorn. I think you mentioned popcorn. That puffed rice. Yeah, that. Mm. puffed uh, mm. wild rice. Yeah, they're not. They're not freaky. Not like as I say. The one thing that just freaks me out is like eating spiders and yeah, absolutely goopy thoraxes and yeah. Nah, I just do it <laughs> it's all those legs. I'm making all those faces. <laughs> uh, anyway, but here we are. Uh, but, but your mastermind subject, of course, is dessert. Um, dessert. Let's just go back because there, it's been a while since we've talked to you. So, and uh, for those that um, that don't know you that well, how did, why this? Why did you sort of think I'm going to go down this dessert stream of of the culinary world? Um, Dad was a pastry chef. Yes, so I grew up having memories of visiting him at work. Back where was in the, where was work? Um, Dad was a sort of five star hotel pastry chef working in Whoa, Dubai and back in the eighties really? when there was. Um, butter carvings and, um, you know, all that <laughs> sort of <laughs> huge show pieces and, um, the bring out the giant piece of margarine. Yeah. And dad was, dad was, that's what it's like, man. And then they, we will turn it into a horse. Yeah. And dad could do that. He was amazing. Wow, okay. He was a real artist, but I, I guess I had memories of visiting him at, at work. Mm. Um, huge, big five star hotel pastry kitchens with man, we've just all lots of people running around, lots of tall hats and amazing smells. That's oh, where everybody wears the bloody chooks and steam yeah, jackets everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Very old school. Steam jackets. Um, and so you decided, and you, let's face it, you've worked with some of the, the truly the greats in the culinary world. I have. I've worked with some really yeah. good chefs, yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of the younger chefs that I've worked with, um, especially in the UK, are now all really um, established and established and, and doing their and own thing, which is awesome. Yeah, mm. um, I was, the restaurants that I worked at in the UK at the time it was a real, a real sort of collection of you did a bit of you young. did a bit of fat duckery, a little bit of fat duckery, a little um, bit of vibulery, a little bit of Michelin, Michelin, <laughs> what's the Michelin, Michelin starred, oh sort yeah, of, um, which is rite sort of, of passage, which is sort of regarded as a bit old Old Testament now, isn't it? It is, yeah. With the San Pelu Awards, sort of, they've certainly eclipsed them, haven't they? Yeah, but you know, things can change. Um, it'll be interesting to see what what, what happens in, in in ten years. I think Michelin, yeah, needed a bit of a wake up call, and they needed to kind of find a way to stay relevant and, and well, move bit, on with the times. A yeah. bit OT, isn't it? A bit of Old Testament is, yeah. is sort of seen that now. You know, the and and the and the uh, the emblem emblematic of that is the starched white tablecloth. Funnily enough, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. Isn't it funny how that became. What everything was wrong with fine dining was the was this poor old bit of cotton just lying <laughs> on the table going, hey, don't, don't shoot me, I'm only the piano player. It became you know? a symbol, didn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. Did. it did. But um, I was sort of saying that you've been doing pop-ups. Were they called pop-ups when you started doing that? That word didn't really... No, it, it didn't, it was, did it? I thought no, so. No, it didn't really exist seven years ago. People <laughs> yeah. were trying to find a way of, and of, um, of labelling what I was doing. I was, I was simply trying to find a way of... Getting in cheaply. Getting in cheaply and doing what I wanted to do on on my terms, and that involved borrowing someone else's space. Yeah, Um, because there used to be a time that the cheap way to get into restaurants was to lease a room in, in a pub. Yeah, which, you know, um, which if that had been uh, an option for me, if that had, mm. yeah, if that had been available, that's maybe something I would have done as well. And where was your first one? It was at Rosamond, which was a tiny little hole in the wall cafe mm. um, that my wife and I used to go to um, 
every Saturday for breakfast, and um, yes. it was just off Smith Street. Um, and my wife said, "Knock on the door and go on, see what they go see on. what they think." And I was really lucky. Do you reckon I should, yeah, go on. I had a great um, good wife. relationship with the owner. Yeah, my wife's um, awesome. Yeah. Shout out to Michelle. I love hey, you. On you. <laughs> on you. Good on you for pushing the shoulders towards the door. Go on. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fine. And that was kind of the start of the, the dessert evenings. And and seven years later, you are now um, working in oh, collaboration. Is probably not the white word. Association uh, Zumba. Yeah, it? I've been working with I've been working at Adriano Zumbo's space Adriano. In, in South Yarra. Mm. What's he um, like? Oh, he's he's a lovely man. Yes. Yeah, he is. He's cool. Um, he's as he appears, very mm. laid back, very um, and yet the creative generous. the creative bubbles within uh, are strong and moving. Yeah, he's a very um, a very very nice guy. Mm. Yeah, very quiet, very sort of unassuming, and just gets on with it. Yeah, and loves what he does. And that's so, so, what are you doing uh, there off uh, off Chapelli? So I've been doing uh, I've been doing the dessert evenings there. I thought yeah. I'd go Southside for a while. Yeah, um, move into a bigger space, a more um, opulent yeah. space. Catch a sea breeze. Um, exactly, yeah. and, and check out that side of town. Yes, um, and so we've been doing that since. Hey, um, is it a bit yar? Look, yeah, it is that you know. I, I, <laughs> Sorry, it's really yeah. hard though because you, you yeah, don't no. want to buy into the whole north side. Yeah, north side, I know, but, it's, but it, it, it is there. There, there are differences, and it, that's why we all choose to, to live out. in different areas, right? I mean, I mean, the craziest is commercial road around Hawksburn where you yeah. get the full. <laughs> but then you could talk about Windsor at the Windsor end of Chapel Street. Yeah, that's one of the coolest like, spots yeah, going like, at the moment. Dude. So it's um, and also all those differences. That's what's make, that's what makes Melbourne so interesting. Well, it can, is it is that pot. So what sort of you're doing? Oh, I'm going to use the E word. Extravaganza. Having extravaganza. Yeah, extravaganza. <laughs> so I do the dessert, uh, dessert. How many, how many evenings. courses? Um, three plated courses in the dessert tube. Um, oh, okay. So it's not actually like food waterboarding. No, I like, really, no, no. no in fact, the opposite. I, I, I hate feeling full and I hate, I don't like going, I shouldn't use the word hate, but I don't like going to places where I feel overfed. Dislike strongly? Dislike strongly, yeah. yeah. I think, um, once you start um, feeling too full, the magic kind of dissipates, and yeah, you've still got courses like, coming your way. It almost feels like a chore rather than, than there, a pleasure. There's a there real is, fine line between. Is, is nothing worse, and I'm sure Matt can concur with this. Than yeah, when you are on the I don't know the the ninth course, mm. and something comes, and you're just going, oh god, really? Oh, exactly. Okay, and yeah, it's that whole thing. So, what sort of things will we be seeing if we uh, we book in? Um, I've just written um, this week's, this Thursday's menu. I wrote it last night. So I've got a, um, the dessert tube will be a creme brulee tube. It works really, really well. Is it um, a plastic tube? No, it's a glass. It's uh, an open-ended glass tube. Yeah, yeah. see, yeah. See where I'm going with that? It's like, yeah, this bubbling melted tube with... Okay, so yeah, a glass tube. So you're doing, um, so creme brulee, nice. Creme brulee is one of the desserts. Classic. Dessert will be, yeah, but presented in a, in a contemporary way with a mm. tube. I have to bring in a tube for you one day. Mm. On, on mental note. I will mental note. Shall bring tube for Cam. Yes. Uh, I've got a dessert with apple, um, guava and musk. So those are three flavours that I'll put together in a dessert. And the link is the guava, which has the sort of musky tone that links through. Yeah, nice. and, and uh, guavas you know, are crazy smelling things, aren't they? Yeah, it's a beautiful flavour. I love. It's I a love shame they're so grainy. Yeah, if you yeah. can take away that graininess and just have the essence, which I'm sure you've done. I, I'm trying. I'm You're trying giving it hard. A go. I'm going to try. Hard, guavas yeah. are just this ravishing aroma, aren't mm, they? Yeah, they promise so much. They promise so much, <laughs> and then you get this. Sand, I'm eating sandpaper and stones. I mean, in a way, I can't. I can't completely remove that, that mm. graininess. That's yeah. So anyway, guava, guava, yep. musk, and apple. So that'll yes. be a dessert that's on the menu. Yum. Um, I've just gone blank on the other two. That's the, how fresh it, it, the while, you, are. while you're doing that, so things can just leap back into your mind. Is there booze with this? Do you do you match wines and? I don't try and match simply because I don't have um, I don't have a sommelier that I can reach out to. Yeah. Um, I don't have the ability to well, hold and store and buy. It's almost like you're going to make cocktails and stuff like that yeah, because your exactly. palate's so broad, isn't it? Yeah, and I find that wines can also very easily dominate. My desserts, yeah, and plus, you, really and you don't want, wine. and you don't want the acid wave to break up the flavours you have, because that's what wine's all about, isn't it? It's just this exactly. acid that that cuts through. Um, and and also to, to give you an insight, I wrote the menu last night. I will start purchasing for it tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I'll start preparing it on Tuesday, so the dishes won't actually be ready until Thursday. So that leaves very little time for a, um, a sommelier to come in and taste, and you know it's just not part of. It'd be a bit of a crash course for a sommelier. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Move it. 
<laughs> so if we want to find out more information about what you are serving, where do we go? PierreRoulos.com. Easy peasy. How do you spell that rule off again? R-O-E-L-O. F for France, S for mm. Switzerland. That's how I spell it. <laughs> F for France, S for Switzerland. <laughs> how can we forget that now? F I for France, to, for Switzerland. I've had to spell it a lot in my life. So yeah, I bet you have. That's, that's the and it's I just like for. the border, the border of France and Switzerland. <laughs> so we're talking Swiss, not Schwarz. Okay, yeah. Um, menu namers? Menu what? Menu namers? Whatever you want. I, yeah, want so I want to talk about easy desserts after this because we've got about eight minutes left. Cool. I just wanted to talk quickly about menu namers. So my my wonderful wife had a great idea of reaching out to fellow creatives to to name the menus. Mm. There's a whole kind of trend oh, within right. the no, sweet world right. yes, of, um, yes. of of finding fun. Um, so this is your wife came up. This is her the uh, her the the brainstormer. She really is the brainstormer. She is the brainstormer. She, 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 she created an idea. She created the idea of the dessert evening. So the genius. Yeah, yeah. I've got to I've got to give props to Michelle. She's a genius. She is a genius. So so naming of the dishes. So rather than just going a chew of uh, caramelised chill with a blackcurrant puree uh, gratinated <laughs> oh yeah or smothered uh, blanketed bar yeah, anyway yes or the polar opposite which is guava coconut <laughs> apple exactly yeah, yeah. yeah sort of having a bit of fun with it so um, I create the menu I forward it to Michelle and then she finds um, creative people to um to look at that menu and then come up with really fun. How does she cast in then? Because you've had some g- quite extraordinary people coming. We have. We've I had, shall name it. We've had Jenny Val, she's a really, out, um, really successful singer-songwriter. We've yeah. had Laura Jean, local yeah. Charmer Finches, which are um, a local band yeah. out of um, Thornbury. Adriana Zumbo. Of course. Um, hey, Adriana, can you help me out? You went, yeah, no worries, mate. We've got the um, Breakfasters naming this menu. Really? Yeah. This week, which will be fun. Have they named it yet? No, they would no. have probably got it today. Really? So they're, they're probably pouring over it right now as we speak. Hopefully doing oh, their homework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, well, the breakfast is a good luck then. We've got John Carpenter lined up, the um, the iconic director. Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. So the John Carpenter, the John as in Carpenter. The Thing. The Thing. As in all those great movies. Big Trouble in Little China, yeah. Halloween. Big Trouble in Little China. Who can, yeah. So how, what, how did you meet him? Exactly. I haven't met him personally. Yeah. Uh, Michelle met um, John Carpenter's wife, Sandy, at um, Burning Man um, many years ago. Uh, whoa. <laughs> so Michelle went to Burning... You didn't get to go to Burning Man? No, I wasn't on the scene then. Really? But, um, we oh, do plan- yeah. We do have plans of going again. Really? But, yeah, Michelle's... Um, and what's, just for those that um, don't know about Burning Man, well, what is Burning Man? What is Burning it's Man? A, I think it's al- hard to define. It's, it's, I'll start. Yeah. Alternative Festival... Middle of a salt plain um, where you it, – it, it's over a few days and the whole idea is this effigy sort of gets built up which results in this cathartic sort of event that happens where they burn it down. So think the Wicker Man without the infanticide and, um, you know, <laughs> and, or, and, the, and the darkness. It is, it is a thing of great people, great ideas and... And freedom. And uh, um, you know. one of the beautiful things about it is that when it's finished, they leave no trace. So yeah, right. It's like they were never there. So it's yeah. amazing. So, uh, yeah, that goes. So, so, so have you got any of the names that have come through or are they, we were still waiting on them? They're all still, yeah, still being processed. Okay, so but, yeah. great names, no names yet. Okay, stay tuned for that. Mere mortals at home who do not want to deconstruct or reinterpret the creme brulee in a small glass vial, but just would like to have some dessert. I'd like some dessert. Would you like some dessert, Matt? Yes. Yes, I would, yes. In under one hour. Yeah. 30 minutes. Desserts for mortals. Crumble. (laughs) We've we've done the crumble... um, We've had the crumble chat, haven't we? Yeah, and we, I think yeah. we, we both connected we did, over crumble. Because I, 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 you know, I was saying, all right, so, yeah, I'll promote your thing and we'll, we'll do the thing. And But what about the punters out there who want to make a dessert? And I said, so, you know, an easy dessert. And I said, what about a crumble? And then you said to me, dude, are you in my mind? Exactly. So yeah. what is good about a crumble? It's just that per- I think it's the perfect dessert in the sense of, of all the contrast that you get. You get the, um, the freshness and the acidity of the fruit, if you choose the right fruit. You get the buttery, right sweet. Fruit. Goodness. Tell me right fruit. I love blackberries. Yeah. I love rhubarb. I love apple, but apple in combination with an acidic Either fruit. of those two works really, really well. And yeah. we're talking Granny Smith apples usually. For me personally, yeah. Yeah, me yep. too. I mean, you wouldn't want to cook with a Fuji, for instance, because it just flabs mm. out. And, yeah. <laughs> it's like, <"Bleh." laughs> um, But, yeah, rhubarb and apple. 
<coughs> if you're going to make that, um, it's a good idea for me, and I'm oh, sorry, mm-hmm. I should get the expert to uh, speak on that, but cook your filling, um, your apples, your rhubarb pieces together, a bit of sugar for mm. about 10 minutes. It's just to get them started because... Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. And I remember the first time I made an apple and rhubarb crumble, I just went, well, you just chuck the apple mm. and the rhubarb in, you cover it with the crumble and it cooks, and it didn't. Crumble was golden brown and, <laughs> and the, it was... Wow, this is <laughs> crunchy. The apples are crunchy. So, yes, agreed? Agreed, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, bear that. Bear in mind what, what fruit you're using and, and mm. cooking time. And um, Where do you get a good crumble recipe? Is there anything that... Like, I've, I've got this old Betty Crocker cookbook from, I think, 1953, and it is Awesome. Mm. Like it is the go-to for any sort of bake stuff. But, yeah. Um, any thoughts about where to get a good crumble recipe? My personal favourite is the most uh, the most simple recipe. It's 120 grams of flour. Six Hold it. Hold it. <laughs> Don't just go. 120 grams of flour. Yes. 60 grams of, um, of sugar. 60 grams sugs. 60 grams of butter. 60 grams butter. Unsalted or salted? Um, doesn't really I, matter. It doesn't really matter. <coughs> if I used unsalted, I would then choose to add a little bit of salt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So butter, 60 grams butter. So what have we got? Uh, two to one. Yes, so again, okay. you can see a beautiful ratio. I'm looking. That, I'm looking you get a lot of that in pastry. And that is that is what we that is what you look for. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. After us. So two to one. And then what else we got? You got That's any oats it. in there? So I go, I go super simple. Yeah, I'm a real... Um, I'm, I'm all about the classic crumble recipe. Obviously, people can take it in different directions. You can add your cinnamon. You can add yeah. um, oats and turn you it into all a highfalutin granola. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just love would. the pure um, sweet butteriness of a, of a basic crumble. Yeah. Okay. Okay. If um, if I was going to do that, the, just oats. to do a little – yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 proper, proper crumble mm. um, <laughs> for me – should, should have so, I'm sitting up in my chair now. No, it's, it's, it, but you, it, it's our interpretation. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're valid. You know, yeah, you're going, absolutely. Yeah, man, that's my thing. And this, would, Matt, we'll get you to... Mm. Would you have oats or non-oats in I'd your crumble? I'd go a drizzling of oats on top. A drizzling a of drizzling, oats. A sprinkling oh. of oats. You've been reading those other menus. Yes. You could, you could go puffed grains. You could add um, puffed rice. You could add puffed millet. You could... Um, yeah, that'd yeah, be you nice. could take in all sorts of di- directions. And, and the other thing that, uh, that you said, Pierre, which I thought was kind of gorgeous with uh, 50 seconds left, was if you want to make it sublime and perfect, what do you add? Love. And vanilla ice cream. <laughs> exactly. And then you've Which got Which is the same thing. Then you've got that additional contrast, hot, cold. Yeah, cream, um, buttery. Fat. Exactly. Yeah. Soft, crunchy. It's all there. It's, that's why, for me, it, it really is the perfect dessert. How much is your uh, extravaganza? Um, it's 69. 69. There's, a, there's an event bright booking fee in there and a few other events. They do it. How, do they find, how do we find you? Pierroloff.com. Com. Uh, don't uh, forget the uh, F for France, S for Switzerland. Exactly. It's good. <laughs> Always a delight. And can we also acknowledge and uh, say a big thanks for the support that you've given to this station over the years? Cheers, Cam. Yeah, this is our local. and um, You know, really, thank you. It's uh, and and may you uh, and good luck with all you're doing. It's lovely to see you. Love Triple R. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. It's one o'clock. Uh, the download uh, on ready to go. Yes, uh, this has been fun, man. It has been. We should go. We've done a little bit of good, and uh, now we've had dessert. Um, thank you very very much. Downloads on now. We're going off to Studio One. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, one hundred two point seven FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.